Good afternoon, everyone. This is TAF Founder. I'm here with Mr. Antonio Martinez Pascual, who is a Spanish industrial engineer. Good afternoon, Mr. Antonio. Uh, good afternoon, TAF Founder. I'm very glad to be with you. <laughs> How are you doing? How was your day? Uh, well, quite good, relax. I came back from work, but it's a good afternoon here. Okay, very nice. Can you please tell us about what you do for a living? You're an industrial engineer. What does an industrial engineer do for a living? Well, uh, that, that uh, we have a very general uh, ap uh, approach for uh, engineering. Like we are open to many fields. It can be for electrical uh, supplies or for manufacturing or for cars. But on my case, I've walked towards uh, more uh, uh, aerodynamic-related uh, issues. Okay. So it's uh, like aircraft and fly. Le let's put it in flying things. Okay, flying objects. Flying <laughs> objects and and yeah. Okay, so not unidentified <laughs> flying objects, but like known flying objects is what you work with. Okay. Very interesting. So what does someone have to study? What courses go into industrial engineering in Spain? Well, uh, as I told you, we have a general, uh, a broad education in many okay. fields, but uh, after you can choose what you want to do. Okay. And that's where I chose my um, uh, flight-oriented uh, courses and okay. aerodynamic. And okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so to become an engineer, you need to have, is it physics and math and what else? I'm not very sure, just for the public to kind of have an idea. Yeah. The base is physics and maths. You okay. need to understand that to after uh, be able to construct uh, something in the real world, okay. of course. The, the, what you study at the end is not the same as what you do course, in the real life, but you need to understand the base to be able to use the, the, the resources we have. Okay, that's very true. Okay, so can you tell us about yourself just as a person and what you aspire to do just on a maybe personal level or just on a human level? Like what are the things that you would like to do in the world, for example? Uh, I think, uh, well, I, a, a main thing that I'm worried about is, of course, leaving the world a bit better than what we found it, because okay. it's uh, very, at least obvious to me, that uh, the evolution we are taking as a society is not going to get to a good end if we don't change many things. We don't pay attention to many things. That's very true. Um, we're outside, everyone, because, as you know, I like to keep my meetings and my interviews very natural. I'm not trying to show some kind of perfection, but we happen to be outside, so it might be a bit noisy, as in the other podcasts, but what matters is the message that Mr. Antonio is going to pass on to the world today. Okay, so um, let's start with health, because I would just want to look at these three basic topics, health, education, and climate change, in your opinion, and you just kind of let me know in your simple opinion what that, what that means to you. So what is health to you, and does it matter, and, or does it not matter? Well, I guess health is uh, has 
we could say it has two sides. One is uh, the personal care you can take for yourself and the other, the, per the resources that are available and the health system that you have access to. So if one of the two are, uh, you don't uh, take care of them well, uh, you, the person, the people are going to be unhealthy and that affects many other things in their lives, like the, their education and whatever, and many other things. True. So have you seen health from other parts of the world? Maybe have you lived somewhere else or have you been to a hospital in a foreign country? If you can just kind of explain to us how you see the differences in the health institutions between Spain and maybe anywhere else that you've been to. Well, um, I've only lived in uh, two other countries, which were in this case Czech Republic and Peru. Okay. And yeah, I see many differences. It's true that here I, I, I'm glad that we have quite a good public health system. So if really basic anything happens to you, you can get a solution for it. Perhaps you have to wait for a while, but that uh, treatment that you need will, will come to you. But I don't think it's the case in many other countries. In Czech Republic, as it's... Uh, let's say more European, it's uh, easier uh, to get access to it because uh, as I'm a European too, I can have access to their sanitary system. But in Peru, I saw that the things were not the same. And, and like the um, many people didn't have access to it. And especially living in rural areas where uh, they have unpaved roads or whatever, and there's no hospitals or health uh, uh, centers nearby. Uh, if something happens to you, really, you're, you have nothing to do. If you need something in less than 12 hours, you know that you're not going to True. get the, the solution. The that you yeah. So you probably think the way that I do that health and health systems and a health care system should be a basic human right. So you're telling me that you were in Peru, and I can see looking at you while you're seeing it, I saw maybe a bit of sadness or a bit of, that's a pity that they don't have the same right that I was born with. But you happen to be born in Spain, someone else is born somewhere in the West and they have that as an access. But then someone else just doesn't because that's the situation we're in. So how do you think education and health is important because most people can't afford to go to hospitals. So maybe let's talk about your experience in Peru because Czech Republic and Spain would be considered in the same kind of system when it comes to a developed country or not but in peru how do you think so what were the problems that you saw in health and education not only in the sense of hospitals but i believe that education is a tool that needs to be used to teach people how to take care of themselves right if you're not not necessarily going to school to learn it but just social and basic education so based on your experiences in peru living there for the time that you did what are the things that you saw and was it more the lack of education in health or just the lack of a good health system that affected you? Well, I guess on, that's a, a good uh, way to explain it because I, I think there they actually have a better health education, okay. probably because they maintain a lot of their ancient knowledge on okay. caring themselves. Okay. okay. So, so like they, they are much more prone to having uh, healthy um, eating habits and okay. not eating junk food that is widely spread on the most developed countries. True. But uh, on the other hand, they, what they were saying, like they don't have access. If 
actually when something happens. The, I guess that in the more uh, in the big cities they do, but uh, the rural areas is where the problem arises. Okay. But yeah, they they come for us. They they deal with it having a better health education where they they can use the more natural solutions and even perhaps with the plants they have nearby to for minor treatments instead of taking a pill they can get another type of uh, of, yeah of of treatment more natural okay so if you had to compare the educational system of how people just take care of themselves so let's forget about you can go to school in, in the eu for free and maybe they have to pay because that's not what i mean by education when i say education i mean knowing the right thing to do at the right time in the sense of this is just a human right of knowledge which means if someone is drowning does every single person around us know what to do because someone's going to start looking for let's say a doctor looking for someone who's supposed to be specialized in that field but i feel like such matters should start should be taught to people just in general so what kind of things do you think should become general and global education and general and global health just to, for everyone well i guess some basic health uh, emergency um, uh, action, like the action you need to take in the case of an emergency even if it's just for yourself you can be um, walking in a mountain or anywhere and you can i don't know break your leg or whatever you need to be able to so mm, take any action that can make your situation better but at well at least in the here uh, in Spain i think we are overprotected so we have have not learned to take care of ourselves and if anything happens you just go straightly to the doctor even if you have a simple flu people go to the doctor when you cannot really do anything and you just have to wait and wait for it to go away by itself because it's just a minor infection that there's not really much to do so yeah i think those type of things should be taught to the population on one way to take better care of themselves i- including eating habits and healthy life and ma- doing sport because it's a basic human need that we need to keep but on the other side also to not uh, saturate the sanitary systems because because if you go for a very very minor thing uh, then the system collapses and when there's something important there's not enough resources to to solve it to use and solve the problem okay so and then climate change so we're sitting here outside on a balcony and we can see the sun and today might have been hot a few hours earlier and now it's not so hot So how have you seen climate change? Do you believe in the climate change problem and how have you seen it evolve over the years? Because I talk to many people and they say it wasn't this hot. It's just everyone is just saying it wasn't this hot in the UK, it wasn't this hot in Spain, it wasn't this hot wherever they may be, but just wasn't this hot 5 or 10 years ago and now it is. So what are the things that you can tell us about climate change in your opinion and also being an industrial engineer i imagine this is something that touches your field a lot more than health and education maybe um yeah i i feel a bit more closest to these topics and well um clearly the 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 um, w- when we say oh it's hot today 
that 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 we cannot say that's due exactly to climate change. That's not the idea. The idea, I think, is that we are messing things up and things are changing. We don't know exactly what, how it's going to happen and what the consequence is going to be because, in in fact, some regions of the world might even become colder. But uh, the main, the key idea is that the climate is becoming more extreme and we can see that especially because there's been an increase in droughts around the world like uh, of course in desertic places there has always been but perhaps uh, the dry season lasted for three months and now it lasts for five and where there were hurricanes the, there were three a year and now there's six and here in Spain for example we had the what we call the Europeans, we call the, the heat waves, no? And in summer, uh, during two or three weeks, it comes and, and we just uh, moan a lot about them, but uh, it seems now that it's just persistent and for just for many months, it's uh, the continuous heat wave. So it, it, from my point of view, it's obvious that something is happening. And even though there's cycles and that the climate would go hotter and colder for during the decades anyway uh, there's a tendency that's uh, changing and I don't know if we observe perhaps it's the obvious and what everybody would talk about but you ha just have to look out, out of the at the glaciers and I don't think there's any around the world that have maintained the same size and the same density of ice it's all cracking melting yeah very true so I mean we look now and we're seeing it's not as hot, it's not as cold, but then there are also parts of the world that are drowning. So there are parts of the world that have no water because they're in desertification, and then there are other parts that are drowning islands or just drowning in the South Pacific. So the planet is confused, and climate change and the climate problem is not just about the temperatures rising. Like Mr. Antonio said, some parts of the world might get colder. So they're not used to having cold most of the year, and then all of a sudden they're it's colder than it's supposed to be hot or it's hotter than it's supposed to be cold because the regions the tectonic plates the soil the earth depending on what part of the world you're situated equator or not equator these things are changing so people are just saying it's raining longer than it's supposed to in a region but they don't know why and then it's getting hotter somewhere else and then the ice caps are melting and then other parts of the world are drowning this is all just like a global understanding of climate change it's not just temperature changes is what i'm trying to make everyone understand okay mr antonio so um goal number 13 at the united nations sustainability development goals is climate action so for an industrial engineer what is climate action and why is it necessary for the climate crisis well uh climate um it, i think it's necessary to take actions on the way humans are human activity is being developed because uh, I think we have a direct impact on the planet. Uh, we have, oh, in my opinion, we have overcome the loss of Physics. other animals. Sure. And we are no longer, um, uh, like we have a technology that makes us have a, a greater impact than what we would have if we were only humans walking along the bushes and killing animals and eating them. We are producing and uh, have big factories and have massive fishing nets that uh, mm -hmm. take over everywhere. So, uh, yeah, this, Im f 
on one way, on one side, the emissions of uh, mm, toxic gases. Well, some are uh, f uh, their effect is to, as we have, we're talking of global warming, but others uh, have other effects that is uh, directly just um, toxic to the environment. And uh, for example, the oxides from the cars, the nitrous oxides, they they're really harmful in the cities for the p population. True. I don't know in I I've read I don't have the fact but uh, in just uh, standing uh, standing a day in Shanghai in the street is the equivalent to smoking 40 cigarettes. So for me that uh, something is wrong there because how can we create a style of living that is making that is killing us really. Uh, we need on one way to the, the production system the cons the cycle of consumption uh, throw it bite again is uh, going to be building up and we are going to end up like in the movie of uh, wally i don't know if <laughs> any of the audience have has seen it but if we continue like this we will end up in a huge pile of rubbish and not be able to <laughs> to to see any trees or any ocean or any anything because it's going to be building up forever so, so yeah i mean industrialization because i know industrial engineering and industrialization might not necessarily be the same thing but i don't know that up until now and that's why i'm putting it out there so do you think that how do you see industrialization as an industrial engineer i don't know if that's something that i should ask but i just it's a question that came to my mind and everyone knows it's honest interviews what do you think okay for for me the main idea of industrialization is making human work easier, easier. Mm -hmm. and that we can produce the same amount of goods with less resources which is not the same as making infinitely more goods with an infinite uh, with uh, a amount, yeah. yeah with increasing consumption of resources because we cannot get every year more wood to make more things we have the same wood every year so the idea is to cut the processes in the way as to produce uh, sorry as to produce uh, more goods or better goods or more durable goods and less contaminating goods with the same or less resources that we are using now because uh, also many processes uh, we haven't developed yet ways that to make them uh, zero uh, contaminant mm -hmm. uh, I know part of the chemical industry they have waste products that you cannot really deal with them so the idea would be cutting those processes down to the minimum to yeah, produce the, to the minimum yeah to the basic way that it started so industrialization came and made our lives easier we could do more because there were more things like machines involved but then obviously we didn't anticipate the planet population would increase the way that it has which means that we have to keep on doubling tripling industrialization processes that maybe they should take 20 years to start thinking about but we had to start them 10 years earlier because there's just a lot more people to deal with and to take care of. So I think what I'm getting to now is that we have produced, what is produced is produced. The cars that are around, the cars that are around, the houses that are built, they have already been produced. So I think upkeeping what we have and recycling is the word that I can't say recycle a building or recycle a car, but I mean that idea of using what has already been produced to make something else 
or to just upkeep it. Because when I see new construction, I mean, in the sense of I see skyscrapers around the world being built all over again, new ones and new spaces, I'm thinking, if I look around this town or this city or this country, I can see infrastructure that needs to be reconstructed, that needs to be taken care of. But then I wonder, why aren't people thinking about fixing what we have now as opposed to building a huge new building that's going to be increasing the carbon print, increasing more emissions on the planet? So I don't know what is your opinion about what I've just mentioned in the sense of like, do you see that the cycle of recycling that has to happen in every single industry, in every single field, actually, a profession in the world? I think totally, like absolutely it should be actually made obligatory in everywhere because uh, what's, what I see it, it's happening now, it's uh, there's no, the, that the person who is making the good is not taking the responsibility afterwards to uh, destroy it or take those resources back to a usable state. So of, t let, let's take the example of a plastic bottle. It's the cheapest way to buy a soda or, or, a, or, or a water. Uh, but why? It's because nobody is paying for the money that it costs to destroy that bottle of, of, of plastic. If we take that thing into account, it would be probably much more uh, cheaper for everybody just to use crystal uh, bottles and reuse them constantly or take a tin, a tin bottle that you could reuse forever made of metal that never got, that it doesn't get uh, bad. True. Like I talked about with someone else in a meeting about having, I've seen metallic straws online, I've seen metallic tops. So you have your plastic straws that you bought two years ago and it's sitting somewhere in your house. And now you're hearing this and you're starting to think, I'm definitely not going to buy any more. But how do I reuse a straw that someone else used? How is that fair to give someone, someone new a reused a used straw? So I see find maybe these metallic tops that you can put on the plastic straws and that way you can wash these plastic straws and then have the metallic tops there to replace them so each time it's a different person with the wash top using it or their metallic straws that are available obviously they're a lot more a little bit more expensive i imagine but then it's a long-term investment in the sense that it's metallic and you can wash it and it can last for a really long time but if a plastic straw has been cut it's plastic it's done it, its usage is just gone, but then you have plastic sitting around. So I think what I'm trying to say is the more we try to produce more crystal, more metallic, more wooden objects, as opposed to plastic objects that cannot be, they're not, plastic is not biodegradable. It means that it can spend 200 years possibly on the planet, in the soil, sitting there, but it's compounds that were made, that, was, that were used to make it, are never going to break down and that's the problem is that plastic is being dumped in places it's being hidden in different junkyards and countries and people don't know where this is going and now it's being brought to our attention that there is a huge plastic problem because it's killing our marine life it's killing life on land which means the soil that we have is not as produ productive as it used to be and then the water where we get all our natural resources in the sense of oxygen and water to drink and all of that that is also being contaminated so I don't know how industrialization has helped us up until this day in the sense of a possibility for a future because it made the future we have now very possible in a very short amount of time 
But then the distant future that we have is very, very, very... It's something that we just don't know what the outcome is going to be, for example. So I'm going to go to life. Uh, goal number 14 is life below water. So what is life below water to an industrial engineer? And why does life below water even matter to someone who is an engineer? Well, I think that is uh, part, part, in a part uh, my, from my personal life because I grew up in a town nearby the coast okay. and I always went to the beach and after the touristic season or after a day with a lot of tourists or even people, or even locals, okay. uh, you just go out and see the beach completely covered in plastic and I go for a swim and while I'm swimming, my hand gets tangled up in a... Mm, potato crisp bag and I don't know I can see it all around me and I, I'm also uh, I love uh, diving okay. and observing this marine life uh, in my own eyes so okay. uh, I can I, I've seen how this um, life is being contaminated and altered and I think we need it because we have a we are living on this planet and we are not, we are not going to be able to survive in, if all the other animals live and in the other in, in another way I for example I'm not a vegetarian and I would like for me and maybe for my kids if I have them at any time for them to be able to eat a sardine or a salmon once in a while I'm not saying that it should be very often but once in a while but if we keep doing these things probably in some years there's not even one sardine to it exactly exactly and i don't know i think this goes back to the education that i meant that many people who throw things on the floor at the beach plastic they don't really know how bad this is so they maybe don't care and they throw it or they don't feel any guilt and they throw it and they think someone else is supposed to clean this but how is a person who is supposed to clean the beach how is that person going to see plastic that has ended up deep down in the sea? You're never going to find it unless you go looking that deep. But that's what is happening is we're contaminating the environment around us because the plastic chemical compounds end up diluting somehow into the soil, into the sea. And it's these things that we're eating, fish, whoever eats fish, whoever eats anything that comes from the sea. Many people don't realize that tons and tons of chemicals from plastic that goes up into the sea, these fish eat it or they drink the water because they're living in the sea. And then we are actually getting chemicals constantly into our own system from something that we produced and we're not paying attention to it. So every time we go for a swim, we don't realize maybe there are chemical compounds now floating in the pool, floating in the sea that we can't physically see, but we don't know. But if we don't keep our environment clean, which means that, yeah, plastic does not belong anywhere. And especially doesn't belong on the floor and especially not on the beach because then animals who don't really have who have not contaminated the planet the way that we have we're not giving even them an opportunity to share the planet with us and then we're also not making a future for our kids for the next generation because then we're going to leave them with so much problems so many problems sorry that they're going to have a small amount of time to have to fix it and we have 10 years to get these agendas together and and make it a global movement 
for everyone but how many people are going to want to do and i always say do your little part don't start thinking i have to change my whole life to make this work but do your little part in the sense of what you know you have to do all right so we have goal number two is hunger and hunger is obviously something that everyone has felt i imagine at one point in their life everyone's been hungry because they need to get home to eat from work or from school or they're just hungry because they don't have something to eat right now so why does this goal number two matter to you no hunger um well i i think uh, i feel a bit guilty somehow of 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 this um of this being even existing on the world because well my feeling in short is that uh, food instead of being well in my opinion it's a universal right like mm-hmm. everybody has to have a shelter house and water basically and well and health and education of course but just to survive as an animal the basic things you need is water food and shelter exactly so um what I see is that food has been, uh, we, we are uh, looking at food in a way that's never been looked at before, okay. because for many years it was looked as, it is food, but now it's uh, looked at as a, a production and consumption good, like any other, like the same as electronic, the same as a car, the same as anything. And what I see is that the industrial um, sector has taken over this uh, production, th- th- this good, which is food and is basic and should be universal and not, uh, it, it shouldn't be uh, included in the standard commercial uh, trading and regulated by the ups and downs of the prices of goods as the capitalist world is working. and. As we live in a global world, uh, many, uh, all the companies and all the countries are involved in this uh, uh, food marketing and production and selling cycle. And what I see this happens is that on the more poor countries, if they have a good or a food, let's say what I saw, for example, from my point of view is avocados in Peru. It's a food that's been there forever and is, was part of the basic diet of many of them. But since now it's become very popular in Europe, the prices of the avocado in Peru have raised tons. Like it's double, triple or multiplied by 10 the price. So it, it, something that was accessible for many people and was the base for, of their food supply uh, is now a um, luxurious good that is no longer available to many people. And that has no sense at all. We need to get the food that is most available in our areas and on a first place and not try to make the most profit out of this thing which is necessary for millions of people. True. I mean, for example, I watched a documentary and I can't remember the country right now, but it was somewhere in Asia where the government has decided to stop plastic production in the sense of even packaging anything in stores and grocery stores so what they're using is banana leaves and i think plantain leaves and some some other kind of leaf that is available to them so they're still packaging their race and packaging their whatever but they're using something that is more biodegradable and it's better for the planet so once you decide i've opened up my bag of rice it's 
in wrapped in a palm tree or sorry wrapped in a leaf or a banana leaf or something as opposed to plastic because we yeah we recycle the plastic from our house in the west but where does that end up i don't know how many people have asked themselves i know from when it leaves my house and it goes in the container i know it's going somewhere safe and good for the planet i don't know how many people can answer that because i don't have that question and it just came to my mind right now and i'm thinking where does that end up in every country in the west the developed countries is what i mean how do we know where it ends up and what is being done because many people now are realizing take your plastic bag from home to the store and not buy more plastic because what we're trying to do is show the system and show the government and show whoever it is that is involved in that industry that this production is not necessary anymore so they're building their way of life they need to have their job to survive i understand that but if we can collectively understand that we don't need to produce plastic bags as much as we're producing if each person decides to take the one they have already to the store. I know it's, you might not have it on you, but if we keep it in the back of our minds that just plastic is the big problem. Plastic is a big production problem that we have. If you talk to anyone, they're going to tell you plastic is a big problem because we don't know where to put it. It doesn't belong in the sea. It doesn't belong in our houses. It doesn't belong on the street. It doesn't belong on top of soil because wherever it touches if it starts degrading it's just releasing chemical compounds okay so we have goal number 12 is responsible consumption and production and we kind of went into that before but now just talking about it as an industrial engineer let's talk about maybe a bit of food a bit of mechanical and chemical production okay. how do you think we can make it responsible and if we're a large population of people around the world how does consumption and production become responsible well i i think that the first thing we have to have in mind is that of course the system that we have now is the cheapest and that's why it's being done because if you don't take care of the climate or the natural resources you can make things very cheaply but at the same time we are uh, symbolically killing ourselves so um, if we want to uh, I, I'm totally in favor of this and uh, of making a production system which is more efficient more clean way, uh, with less resources but at the same time the, we have to understand that this is going to make things more expensive uh, initially and of course people have the same amount of money i mean the general population will still earn the same amount of money so really if we want to make a change we are going to change have to change our own habits we are not going to say hey company make the things better and i will pay to you the same and i want to buy the same that's not possible we need to reduce our own consumption and accept that some pro kind of products, of course not all, because a plastic bag can be made of cotton or um, whatever fi natural fibers, and it can also be done for very cheaply. But other processes are inevitably going to be more expensive because you need to take care of the um, uh, waste products to, 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 to not contaminate, and that that last step in the production system 
is the one that we are not taking care of now. We just dump true, it and don't take care. True, true. The final step is a problem, actually. I've actually never thought of it in this way or heard of it in this way ever, and I'm never going to remember this from this meeting, is the final step is where we have the problem. It's not even what we need. We know what we need. Every country that produces their goods, they know exactly what they need, and they know why they're producing it. It's for the population. But then the final step of when it's produced and it's been used how do we make whatever that could be if it could be a clothespin if it could be a tire of a car or if it could be a plastic bottle once it's been produced how do we eventually make sure that at least half of the production put into it is going to be used to recycle that to make a new product or it's so biodegradable that we can use 95 percent of it back in the soil or produce something else that's the final question okay so before we wrap up the meeting mr antonio martinez pascual what if there's one positive message they would like to pass on to the world after this very intense meeting in the sense of you've we've talked about things that matter and things that trouble not just you and i based on where we live but also the world so what is this positive message that you would like to pass on to the world uh, well, I think that the positive thing is that many people are seeing this and that we are creating each day a bigger and greater force that is slowly uniting to make this change possible because until uh, a few years back there wasn't many people worried about this. So I'm very glad that the youth especially is be getting more and more conscious every day and that they are open to this change and they... I mean, I, we, we need to unite this force and work together. And yeah. Very true. And education became important to me when I started this foundation because I realized that forget about going to school. Everyone cannot afford to go to school because they can't afford. But why doesn't, why isn't everyone equipped with the right tool to just know what to do? Because the next generation is going to suffer. People that have kids, grandkids, that are just starting to find their path in life or grow into their own human being, they're not gonna have a future unless we do something. And it's not a matter of people sitting down and waiting for their governments. A one government can fix the world problem and all governments can fix the world problem. But if the people of the government get together and do something, play their own parts, it's not a matter of blaming. I will keep on saying this in every meeting. We're not pointing hands and saying that person did more than I did or I did more than he did. It's too late for that. But if we start the global movement of making sure that our kids, the next generation, have a future like we were given by our own ancestors, then at least we can say we might not be able to fix the climate problem completely, but we've equipped them with enough tools for them to know what to do. Because the problem right now is we don't know what to do. And if we don't know what to do, how do we tell them what to do do you know what i mean then we're leaving them with the grandest problem in the world the biggest issue with the climate problem and then they have to figure it out on their own but then they were not part of the production process like you said so they will know this tire that was made 20 years ago what chemical compounds were put into it right okay everyone so thanks to mr antonio martinez pascual for an industrial engineer for this very educative meeting and interview and for letting us know his thoughts just not as one individual but a person who's seen the world and traveled and has opinions so thank you mr antonio for this time thank you very much it was a big pleasure to i and thank you to everyone for listening i hope to see everyone on the next podcast meeting thank you <laughs>